HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program was brought to you by Consider Bardwell Farm in Vermont, a producer of award-winning handmade cheese from goat and cow milk. For more information, visit considerbardwellfarm.com. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. This is Severin. This is Radio for Young Farmers, by Young Farmers. Today we're talking about The Goose That Laid the Golden Egg, A Mystery Solved, with David Hawk and Wesley Bascom from Vermont. Hello, men. Hello. Hey there. Welcome to the show where we talk about farming and it's fun. Uh, you guys are crazy. You're raising geese in Vermont. You yeah, must a have fun. a lot of geese right now. We're raising a lot of geese. It's a little bit overwhelming. Yeah, a little bit of a lot of geese. Let's talk a little bit, just like we'll dive straight in because we only have a shorter show today. The life of a goose, the advantages of a goose, the market for a goose, the care of a goose. Your turn. So um, the, the geese, really where we started with this project was uh, geese eat grass. They're very good at eating grass. And um, they're quite strong poultry. They don't really have the same problems that chickens or, or other kind of weaker species have. They can be outside in a hurricane and be totally fine. You know, you might lose a few and they might get blown down the river, but they're not going to get chilled and they're not going to uh, have any trouble with kind of small varmints. Um, so, they're, so they're rugged and they eat grass. But they grow, and they grow how fast compared to, say, a turkey? You know, I don't have much experience with the, the turkeys, but um, it's taken us about six months to grow a goose from egg to about, um, I'd say, about 15 pounds live weight. And their feed conversion ratio, which is how much feed in produces how much uh, goose flesh in this case, uh, for the first 12 weeks is approximately 2.2, 2.4 uh, it's very competitive with chickens, ducks, and other kinds of poultry, uh, including turkeys. 
So after that period, it starts to drop, and at this point, these uh, you know four or five, six month old geese are converting somewhere around four to one. Um, but they're eating pasture in large part, and we are now supplementing with grain to finish. Um, but the cost of that pasture is perhaps more competitive. So it sounds like what I'm hearing is you're in the beginning of a great goose adventure and you're learning and collecting data as you go. So then my next question is, how did you come upon the idea of the goose and how does the goose fit into the system that you're running and the life that you're living? Um, yeah, well, it fits in because David, I, Dave and I both live here um, in the hills of Cabot, Vermont, and there's just a lot of um, perhaps underutilized pasture land, and we were looking for a way to um, use the pastures here, which happen to be very wet and um, muddy, and larger ruminant animals like, like the bovines or the equines, they don't uh, do so well in these wet conditions. They get hoof rot, they compact the soil, they make mud holes, um, and smaller animals like geese uh, don't, and they still love to eat all of the grass. So, you know, it fits into our lives because we live in this beautiful place, and we're just trying to figure out a way to kind of cobble together a living uh, situation here and, like, make use of the resources that are here. The other goal with uh, this goose project, um, you know, they do eat grass. We know this for a fact. But we wanted to actually get some more data about um, how economic it is to try and raise something that's not a ruminant animal, so it's less efficient at processing the calories in grass. Uh, but still, you know, is this something that you can make some money with? and we've been tracking pretty much all the numbers that we can get our hands on and manage to remember. Um, and this will, you know, maybe not necessarily be the end of it for us, but it could be that we decide the goose project didn't work out and we're going to try something else and collect some data about that and start building up some more kind of databases of information. I am very grateful because I love, I raised geese last year, and I'm about, I, I taxidermied the wings, I ate them, I ate them, and I gave them away and given my family and stuff, but I think that there's another sub-market in taxidermied goose wings because they are very beautiful and um, decorative, and you can make a lamp out of them, et cetera. Really? No so way, I'm, that's exciting. I'm excited for data. It, we were thinking there was a market for uh, goose confit wings, but I think probably the the wing intact might might be better. Also solve some of the regulatory problems with selling geese out of state. <laughs> You're only allowed to sell geese in the in one state. Well, we're currently operating under the unexpected poultry statute in Vermont, which allows um, individual producers to process up to a thousand birds uninspected on their farm if they follow, you know, certain best practices and uh, then have restaurants or other consumers sign a waiver that uh, lets you know that they understand the conditions. Um, unless we were to get these birds USDA inspected, we couldn't sell them outside of the state, and it's a pretty big expense, and it kind of compromises some of our other goals in terms of having birds lead a humane lifestyle, um, kind of raised on the farm, slaughtered on the farm. Uh, they don't experience the heinous uh, problems associated with long-distance transport. And, and how, you know, all this is very interesting and, you know, deliberative, thoughtful, academic perspective on the goose. 
how do you like the geese? How do you feel like, um, how do you respond to the geese as, as, as creatures? And, and might you recommend them to other young farmers who haven't, who've thought about geese but were turned off by the noise or by the, like, poopy, poopy, duck-likeness of them? Um, well, I personally find them to be endlessly fascinating. Um, they are not the, you know, vile, mean creatures of, of the myth. They are really curious, inquisitive, um, very bright birds that just, they're really fascinating. They do all sorts of things, and, it, and I think it takes a close inspection of them um, to really appreciate this. They are noisy, that's true, but um, they also, they talk to each other. It's not just endless noise. It's, it's an actual conversation that's occurring, and they, um, and I find that somewhat amusing, honestly. And like, you have I a good sense of humor. You really can uh, take it all in stride and, and realize that this conversation represents kind of a different community, you know. Um, we don't really use the Internet extensively in the, like, Twitter and Facebook realms, or at least I don't. Uh, but I imagine that maybe someone could make an analogy here between the way the geese all gather around and comment on each other's behaviors, or there'll be some ruckus, and then there's this period of mark, 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 mark where they sort of, like, work it out and then return to their sort of stable, flocculating behavior. <laughs> I totally know what you mean about the, like, they're quacking themselves. They quack it out. They, like, they, like, calm down, and it's, like, more stasis again. And then there's another little up squawk. Like politics. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. And I think, you know, for a lot of farmers, we actually sold a couple of young geese to a friend here in uh, Plainfield who runs the East Hill Tree Farm. And uh, he uses them to kind of mow the grass around his place. They eat apples and kind of whatever other sugary treats they can get their beaks on, uh, potatoes even. Um, and they're just really good kind of barnyard companions. If you socialize them well... They're never going to be a problem like, uh, you know, the mean goose that was chased by all the generations of children would be. Yeah. Actually, well, earlier well, in the season, um, go ahead. we were pretty good about training and had the whole flock uh, trained to come to whistle, and they would follow, follow the whistler, and we could lead them around uh, by just whistling, walking. How, how did you learn how to train the goose? Uh, it's, it's pretty simple. You just start when they're young and you give them little bits of food. Uh, in the case of, of our flock here, we started with greens because they were in a brooder and they just began to associate David and I with a handful of luscious dandelion greens. And after that, we became sort of permanently connected with that idea. And when they would see us and we would whistle, they would know that something good was going to happen. So it happened early on, but it continued later into their lives too, so... We both studied, well, you're, you're, um, you know, a little bit of biology here and there in college, but neither of us got a degree in it. And I think at least what I took away from that was observation is sort of the starting point of any kind of uh, scientific endeavor and honestly the start of any kind of um, agricultural practice. So if you're sitting there observing the animal, kind of taking notes in your mind about its behaviors, you can start to try different things out, see how they work. And, um, you know, most animals, including humans, respond really well to conditioning. You do the same thing over and over again, and they start to exhibit the same response. And uh, if that's just like in your mind as you're observing the animal, you can play around and see what you can get something to do. Um, there's definitely research behind 
the kind of Pavlovian conditioning to foodstuffs with lambs or other kind of larger mammals, and the same principles seem to apply with poultry. So there's no, like, goose whisperer um, or mentor or book that you read. I've, there's, oh, there there's a the new guy book. who made that goose <laughs> book. He made that good backyard poultry book. And then there's successful goose raising. But there's not a big literature on, on geese. I looked into it. No, there really isn't. We've heard rumors of a textbook, uh, but we've never been able to find such a thing. And our pretty much constant companion here has been a book by David Holder Reed, um, I think it's just called Raising Geese. Yes. It goes into pretty exhaustive detail about a lot of things, and it was helpful in formulating their ration and uh, generally kind of avoiding um, various problems like uh, wing flip and dip and... Yeah. Chilly, wet goslings or something like that, yeah. But you raised them up from eggs. You got eggs from another, another operation. We got day-old geese. They were very recently out of the egg. Oh, got it. You got day-old. Yes. Um, so that's cool. Day-old. And those are findable. Where, what was your hatchery that you ordered them from? Uh, we ordered from Metzger Farms in California. Wow, from California to Vermont. There are, there are definitely two goose-raising hatcheries in Pennsylvania that I found. I can try and trawl it up and plug it. I'll blog it on the blog so that people who are following this topic closely can benefit from all the research that it currently lives in Greenhorn's world. But, uh, wow, so exciting. So tell us about your markets. Where are you selling your geese? How are you selling your geese? What's your experience of the client's perspective on goose eating? Obviously, this is a holiday kind of food. Yeah, well, you know, we've only recently begun selling them um, as of about two weeks ago, and uh, we found a really great partner in Salt Cafe in Montpelier and Claire's Restaurant in Hardwick, Vermont, and uh, they've been serving them for the past couple of weeks on, um, on their menus as specials, and um, they find it to be, a, you know, a real success with their clients. Like, customers come in, um, they sell out of Goose, and they want more, so... Seems like the restaurants. Uh, it seems like it's tapping into this um, desire for something unusual and different, and um, I think there's a real demand for that. And we're hoping to expand to other restaurants starting this week. Um, so at this point, mainly restaurants, but later in the season, we're hoping to also sell a few um, Christmas geese to individual customers. There's really been. I'm at the farmers market uh, selling pizza during Saturday and Sunday. And there's been a pretty substantial interest from other market customers and vendors. They see this as a pretty unique product, and from our own cooking experiences, it's really unlike anything else. It has some of the richer flavors that you might associate with beef um, or other kind of mammal products, but it has the kind of, um, it's like the essence of poultry. I don't know how to, it's like succulent mild, uh, subtle, delicious. <laughs> yeah, we actually have like, I don't know, maybe, maybe five gallons of stock boiling on the stove right now. My, I think my favorite goose product so far has been a goose pho made with goose stock and then a goose trimmings from the tenderloins. And uh, it's just really delicious. <laughs> this is a Vietnamese Vermont dish. Yeah, a traditional Vietnamese Vermont dish, yep. 
Got it. Yeah, well, these are the traditions. I mean, you have a little bit of that with some Vermont-grown rice, some Vermont-grown uh, um, ginger. You know, yep. the whole world is the whole world. The world is our goose spa. <laughs> okay, this is getting a little out of hand, silly. I apologize. Um, is there anything you guys need to make sure to get off your chest about your new business to get it on the air, um, and or what you're looking for or looking forward to um, from the community of listeners here? Well, if you're interested in geese, uh, hopefully by the time this show airs or maybe shortly thereafter, getyourgoose.com will be uh, live on the Internet. Um, it's very simple. You can get your goose from the .com website. And that's only and in Vermont, though, you're saying, yeah. or you're allowed know, to just, ship it uh, anywhere. What's that? Are you allowed to ship out of state? No, you'll have to get your goose in state this year, but maybe next year we'll do it out of state. Yeah, you know, get your goose internationally as well. Right. Uh -huh. okay. <laughs> well, I mean, we okay. like the local, right? We want to have local geese, uh, local grass, local goose, local dinners. If you live in Poland or China, there's also a lot of people producing geese there. And uh, one of the things that we may look into one day is uh, some Vermont grown down. Um, but at this point, the geese are just a little young to be producing the high quality down. Well, and if you go online, you can watch videos that actually commercial down producers, they are plucking the geese live. They pluck them, you know, twice a year um, while the goose is still alive. In like, if you go, if you Google like Lithuania goose duck, uh, goose duck down pluck that kind of stuff. It's pretty. It's pretty mean, actually. Yes, we've uh, definitely observed some of that molting behavior that is a precursor to live plucking. Yeah, not exactly the most exciting thing in the world, but uh, you know, so good. Well, I really appreciate you guys coming on the show and talking about geese. Um, I want to take the last second to make sure we have a plug-in for the Vermont Sale Freight Project. Um, the Vermont Sale Freight Project just launched from Shipman Point in Orwell, Vermont, yesterday. Uh, loaded down with 15 tons of Vermont products. No geese, but if you guys figure out how to put them in salt barrels or something like that, or foie gras, we could, we could take that on the next boatload. So the Vermont Sale Barge has 15 tons of shelf-stable Pantry and root vegetables, maple syrup, sugar, maple sugar, apple cider, vinegar, honey, et cetera, et cetera. There's actually 99 different products on the boat. And those will be making their way down the Champlain Canal and then down the Hudson River. Um, we have 13 different pop-up markets where you can buy straight from the boat or ideally pre-order on goodeggs.com slash Vermont Sale Freight Project. Um, please help us move our produce off this barge. It's an art project, but it is also commerce, and we do need to sell. And join us for the parties along the way on the dock side. Uh, the schedule's up online, but basically the, the events are in Mechanicville, Albany, Troy, Hudson, Kingston. Bye-bye! Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website, 
or as podcasts in the iTunes Store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.